0: This hour by Frederick Remington, fully cooked, ready to eat bacon. Exclusive, no refrigeration, 10-year extended shelf life bacon. The thickest media center cut bacon in the industry at fullycookedbacon.com.
1: the gold standard of paranormal radio and now
2: here's gene
1: steinberg
2: so chris is back here not completely moved in yet and we don't want to get to the complexities of moving it's too depressing we have guest co-hosts joining us gogs mckay and we have a really interesting guest someone chris has known for a while And he said, this guy is just perfect for the power cast. We'll hear about him soon. But I want to talk about briefly the impact of things that you don't expect. So, of course, we are often criticized on the power cast for getting too political. And we have a guest coming up who's run for public office. So that's going to get kind of political. But just bear in mind, we're going to cover lots of bases here. We're going to deal (laughs) with it. Let's take an example of where things go just Comment. an offhand comment can do things. So a few years back, Chris says something about a certain UFO abductee who had it in for a certain UFO abduction researcher. I'm not going to mention the name. And he said that the abductee was stalking the abduction researcher. Now, the person involved thought it was me talking, not Chris. And so there was like a 5,000-word attack in my direction, how dare we in the Powercast accuse this person of stalking? We're not mentioning names. Okay. Two weeks ago, we had John D'Souza on here. And he's into alien dimensions and things like that. And there's a lot of stuff to talk about with regard to that subject. Instead, I think this was my error. Or maybe Chris said something about it too. We briefly, for like three seconds, said climate change. And guess what they did in the forums?
3: <laughs> oh, that that was predictable. I mean, they don't stop. I, I've never understood just how the you know the main players in the forum uh, on the climate change thread. It just goes on and on and back and forth with the same stuff. And these people are never going to convince the other side, but they keep going on at it. And I'm just like, leave it alone. Yeah. Just <laughs> not going there at all. Yeah.
4: See what people forget. What people forget is that the Earth is set up uh, naturally as a giant, um, like a heating and cooling unit. As soon as the Gulf Stream stops and it ceases bringing warm water up from the equator to the Arctic, uh, right now it's slowed. I think it half. It's down to half speed. I think it's barely two miles an hour. Um, it's so it is slowing down. As soon as that happens, then uh, Northern Europe might as well uh, consider itself in a new ice age because um, all that warm air and warm water uh, is no longer going up to the Arctic. And then, of course, the Arctic will start cooling down and that will jumpstart um, possibly a new mini ice age. You know, for every action, there is a, an equal uh, you know, <laughs> reaction and, and the Earth is designed like a giant thermostat. It's like a giant thermostat. Yeah. It's designed to cool itself down when it gets hot and heat itself up when it gets cold. But at the so, end of the okay. day,
2: what's going to happen here is E.T. is not coming down here to rescue us from our own folly. Whatever we do to screw this place up,
4: oh, yeah. don't expect well, E.T. to
2: join us. That's not going to happen. I can't even happen. Even
4: bringing that into the conversation, Gene. Anybody oh. that thinks that is, but pardon the expression, but ugly stupid. Anybody well, that thinks that E.T. is going to come here and do anything to correct our human foibles or or our stupid mistakes that we're making, uh, you know, you might as well just (laughs) commit yourself into some uh, mental ward now because you're you're not playing with a full deck.
2: Let's just think of it this way. If E.T. really wanted to help us, they would have done so already. Forgetting motives or anything else. If they really wanted to do anything to improve the human condition, they're really late. Look at the crime statistics. Look at Terrorism Anything you think of That's bad That's going on now Et's done nothing about it E.T. is going to do nothing about it And leave it that way Maybe Elon Musk will help us Get off this planet With SpaceX We'll start going to Mars We'll start going to other planets Elon Musk will do it I don't think anybody else Any other scientists right now Bigelow is doing space stuff But Elon Musk seems to be farther ahead
3: but the aliens are waiting for us to attain the correct frequency, and then they will help us. Oh, oh, oh! God,
4: I forgot. I totally forgot about that. Gogs, of course. Frequency we need to, always comes in. Yeah, we need to. We need somebody needs to invent a new age frequency tuning device that makes sure that nearby humans are entrained uh, to a cosmic. Uh, uh, you know positive uh, frequency that uh, will then call out like a beacon to the to the galaxy for Stephen greer's uh, benevolent space brothers to come down and and um, you know have their way with us but 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 kindly with lubrication.
2: <laughs> oh, this is Stephen
4: a network greer's radio
2: today. show by the way, so we have to really not really get involved in this slippery slope.
4: I'm not saying the seven deadly words I can say whatever else I
2: want. That's true. Okay. You've got an interesting guest that you've lined up for this week. Where's that noise from?
4: That's weird. Where's what? It's not here. What what are you talking about? Where's what? It's like an alarm clock beeping. No, it's not on my end.
2: You've lined up a really interesting guest, somebody you've known for a while who probably is not a household name in the UFO field, which might be a good thing. Tell us about
4: him. I think you'd be surprised how many people know Joe. He doesn't create a, a cult of personality around himself in the field. Um, he has run for office as a libertarian uh, candidate in, um, I think it's the 7th District in in Utah. Uh, he's a very, very bright um, guy. He's got a PhD from... A midwestern school uh, is is fairly up to speed in the UFO subject, and one of the reasons why he's running is uh, to uh, bring more attention, I think, to to uh, uh, paranormal subjects and the UFO subject in particular. And I have known Joe for oh, probably uh, nine or ten years. He uh, helped moderate the citizens hearing on disclosure. Uh, five-day event uh, back in 2013 I think or 2012 uh, at the National Press Club in Washington DC where um, I got a chance to sit down with him and 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 talk with him for a while and he was he was real surprised that I was (laughs) working camera and not uh, actually presenting something in front of the uh, the august panel uh, which I told him well if Linda's there there's no and, and Greer's there's no way that they're gonna let me talk so um you know I've been um I've been kind of loosely keeping in touch with him over the years. Uh, I, I ran into him at the Utah UFO Fest here a couple of weeks back, and we had a great time talking, and we were on a panel talking about disclosure. And I thought, I thought it would be great to, uh, to get uh, Joe on the program. He's very, very bright, uh, up to speed. And this way we can talk about politics with a politician and not get, uh, not get our heads
2: handed to us uh, in the forums. Well, let's not forget Does- here when we have Paul Kimball on the show. He has run for public office, so he is therefore a politician, but people don't bring it up. But yeah, this gentleman sounds like he's very interesting, very fascinating, and what's nice is he's really anxious to come on the show.
4: Yeah, well, he's he's a big fan of the show.
2: Okay. Well, that's good, because we've gotten some really great guests who listen to the show and decide, hey... I like to be one of them people and get on the show. And we've had some of our greatest episodes ever. Just comes out of the blue sometimes when we just get an email from somebody who writes us from our contact form on the site. And we get a lot of those. And some, you know, maybe we're not interested for various reasons. Others, you know, we've had a few where I said, let's get this person. Or Chris says, you got to get this person like that. Just let you know, by the way, we're building out a new YouTube channel for the PowerCast. It's going to take a long time before it actually pays off because now YouTube has a thing where you've got to get thousands and thousands of views before they will even consider setting you up to get paid for it. But look for it, the official PowerCast channel on YouTube. Dr. Joseph Bookman is going to join us with Gene, Chris, and Goggs. You're in the PowerCast. you go to store.theparacast.com,
5: stop by and take a shopping tour. Is that Ellen painting her garage?
6: Yesterday, she was trimming her hedges. What's her secret? I heard she was eating this new Superberry called the Aronia Berry. Aronia? What? Aronia berries from SuperBerries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness.
0: Where can we get them?
6: Go to SuperBerries.com slash radio. And right now, we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus, we can save $4 at checkout.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. I've got lots of projects I
7: need to get done. Yes, you do. Choose health. Eat purple. SuperBerries.com.
8: You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code George for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like.
9: You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
2: Just to remind you, the best way to support the Paracast is to become a member of the Paracast Plus. Go to plusplus.theparacast.com with the Paracast Plus. You get the After the Powercast podcast exclusively this show, free of the network ads and other benefits. Prices start just a dollar forty-nine a week, plus dot the dot com. Now we have Dr. Joseph Bookman joining us on the show, and he was doing what a lot of people do when we connect to them on Skype. You hear the noise of adjusting his headset. So we heard that, and I started joking about tinfoil. And I remembered Long, long time ago, there was a guy in the UFO field, kind of a contactee, name of Andy Sinatra, the mystic barber. And there's a photo of him somewhere, probably online, where he's in front of the UN with this foil hat on. I guess he's attracting vibrations from E.T. He was really a barber, by the way. He was really very, very remotely related to Frank Sinatra. But probably disowned a long time ago. But when I think of propeller heads or tinfoil, I think of this guy, way before your time, Joe.
10: Yeah, I've never heard of him.
2: Never heard of the mystic barber. No. So, what involved you or interested you in this crazy, wacky field that we find ourselves talking about all the time?
10: You know, I I think it is the ultimate uh, human inquiry. You know, are we alone in the cosmos? It's one of the first-principal questions, uh, if you'd like. I ask myself that question, too. I mean, how, how did I get involved in this? How did I destroy my career in academe? I have an earned PhD from Indiana University. I had earned tenure as a professor of marketing. Uh, and then down the rabbit hole I go into UFOlogy and all the crazy that's associated with that. And I go back to high school. 1972, 1973, I was a kid working with holograms. And I had built a laser out of a kit. I ordered it out of some catalog, I think, from St. Louis, a little ruby red laser. And the tube was about the size, slightly smaller than a Pringles can. And then there was a power supply under that, about the same size. And I was fooling around with that in holograms. And out of that, I won a uh, science fair in Indiana, Um, several awards. There were a bunch of different awards. And one of those was from the United States Air Force. And that included a free trip uh, over to Dayton, Ohio, to visit the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in 1973 or 4. My mom saved all this stuff, and I just inherited the scrapbooks of this. But I had gone up to Indianapolis to the same uh, venue that's in Rocket Boys, you know, where uh, Homer Hickam meets uh, the NASA guys up there. And so she saved the placemat from the Indiana Aerospace Awards banquet and all this stuff. Anyhow, I went to uh, Wright Pat as a sophomore in high school. And I had a friend in scouting who was about 10 years older than me. We're still good friends, uh, who was, a, among other things, a private pilot. And he had said to me, Well, Joe, if you're going to Wright Pat, you've got to ask to see the UFO in Hangar 18. Or maybe he said flying saucer. I don't remember. Years later, I got to thinking about all this, and I have an extraordinarily clear memory of these two Air Force guys coming in a car and driving me from uh, the Louisville, Kentucky area. I was in New Albany, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, and uh, we're headed up the interstate towards Cincinnati. And there was a military convoy of green-covered deuce-and-a-half trucks and army jeeps and things, and a civilian car in front of us pulled into the middle of that convoy. And I have a very clear memory of this Air Force guy saying, you know, that's illegal. Um, Civilians aren't supposed to get in the middle of a military convoy. And I said, well, I never heard of that law. And uh, I wonder where this is written down. You know, there's no signs on the interstate. How are people supposed to know this? Something like that. And then I have no memory of the rest of that trip uh, until I have a very, very clear memory, a vivid memory of the the Air Force officer on the way home saying, do I turn um, left to get to your house? And I said, yeah, that's right. And he said, don't say that's right. That's confusing. You should say that's correct. Now, why do I have those two vivid memories and and nothing in between? I don't know. I don't remember most of 1974, (laughs) and it wasn't because I was doing drugs. I just, you know, who remembers uh, their junior year or something? They must have had a
4: neuralizer, Joe.
10: So I tell this story around campfires years later, and I've got a friend who works in army intelligence, and he goes, yeah, that's a sign of being chemically debriefed. They had no sense of humor about this issue in the 70s. I don't know. I I don't think that. I've had people like Yvonne Smith want to regress me, and I've declined those invitations so far. People hear that story and they go, oh, wow, you know, yeah, they, they they probably chemically debriefed you. They wanted to know why you were interested in uh, in UFOs at such a young age.
2: So Being, many people, Joe, were interested in UFOs at a young age. Are we all suffering from chemically induced yeah. amnesia?
11: Right. I, I, doubt, I
10: doubt that very much. Um, I also remember seeing stuff in the National Enquirer and cutting articles out and sticking them on a bulletin board I had. Maybe even at a younger age. But years later, we bought an RV. I'm married and moved to Utah. I'm not uh, LDS. Neither is my wife. Her dad was a rocket scientist for Hercules, and they moved here from New Jersey back in the 60s. And um, so we bought an RV and thought, well, we'll get the kids out of Utah. I've got tenure to college. I got the summer off. We'll we'll go explore America. And um, on the second trip, in the summer of 99, we went down to Roswell. So I went through the museum. It was just fascinating. I met Glenn Dennis. He came out and looked at our RV. He was talking about getting a smaller RV than the one he had. I met Walter Hot. Um, guys seemed incredibly uh, credible to me. I realized that summer that my friend back in the seventies had told me about Wright Patterson at least a year, maybe two years before Stan Friedman interviewed Jesse Marcel Senior. So I called him up and said, "Hey." You know, were you trying to get me killed? What the hell? How 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 did you know about uh, you know Roswell before before um, you know the first books on it got published? And he said, well, he had had a friend who was a, um, a CFII, a certified flight instructor instructor, uh, who had worked in uh, air traffic control and was deep into this issue in the 1960s. And the two of them had gone up to Wright Pat and tried to find Hangar 18. And then as my friend Pete tells the story, uh, for about six months after that, they were followed around by guys in dark suits and sunglasses, just like stereotypical men in black. <laughs> and uh, so that, that kind of got me more interested in it. By the late 90s, or early 2000s, I was curious about what was really going on. And having gone through the Roswell Museum, I started reading uh, things about, uh, about uh, the, the whole UFO lore. And um, and became fascinated with it. And um, so we had the RV then and uh, decided to do a trip around the country and, and uh, head over to the extraterrestrial highway, Highway 375 in Nevada. And we go right up to the border of the base, take the pictures with the you know use of photography, prohibited deadly force authorized signs. I understand they've taken down that deadly force authorized sign in the years since.
2: You know what, let's continue with this voyage You came to look for America Like that song With Dr. Joseph Bookman Goggs, and Gene and Chris You're in The Podcast
12: Thank you for listening to GCN Visit GCNlive.com today
13: Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place, and the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. Arc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology.
14: Stop. Put that mobile phone down because it may have been compromised. Are you aware that many identity theft issues start right on your mobile device? My friends at LibertyID.com have helped over 60,000 individuals without failure get their identities back because of them being compromised. Don't be next. Call 844-44-LIBERTY. That's 844-44-LIBERTY. Or visit LibertyID.com to find out if, in fact, you've been compromised and use discount code GCN.
6: It's about time something new came along for better selling and buying online. And I found it. What now, Marge? It's buy, sell, make offer.com. Never heard of it. It's a brand new company. That's why you've never heard of it. It's the newest and best way to sell any products online. I did all the research.
7: Sell so my car? Yes. Our home? Yep. My golf bag? Your golf clubs. All of them. How about your purse collection hoard? Hey,
6: now. You said any product. Right. I did. Hmm. We get thirty days free.
7: And membership is only nine ninety
6: five. Yep. And buy sell make dot com will never charge item fees ever. Mm. Never. And this is cool. Listen to this. You can even use Skype or video to show your items. That's cool. Yes. All we have to do is go to the website, sign up, and then load our stuff to sell. I love this site.
7: Buy sell dot com.
6: Buy sell dot com. Do you got it?
7: Buy sell dot com. Buy
6: sell makeoffer.com better selling better buying
15: it's been said any society is only three missed meals away from chaos those times may be near think about it Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in.
5: to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417.
8: Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
2: By the way, folks, if you are a subscriber to Paracast Plus, Joe's going to be on this week's episode. So, what we don't do here, we'll do then. So, you take your family to look for America
10: great thing about having tenure as a college professor is having the summers off. So, you know, whenever I'd turn in my final grades in late April, early May, I'd put a voicemail on my uh, office phone that said, you've reached the voicemail of Dr. Joseph Bookman and uh, I'll be back, uh, you know, August 23rd. (laughs) Just leave that out there for two and a half months. So, yeah, we've got the four kids. The youngest is like one or two. And off we go in this RV. And we head over to uh, Lehman Caves and Great Basin National Park and Cathedral Gorge State Park in Nevada, just beautiful part of the country. The Great Basin, the stars at night are incredible. And we head up Highway 375, the extraterrestrial highway, and, and then visit the little alien when Joe Travis was still alive. And uh, Joe and Pat are there and head on over to Tonopah and around to Death Valley. And then Disneyland, and we're headed up the California coast. And I said to my wife, You know, I'd like to meet this guy that I've been uh, emailing on CompuServe and the RV forum. And uh, he was a retired military guy. And she says, Okay, cool. So, So we wind up there in his home. He invites us to head out to, uh, a private ranch he has outside of uh, uh, outside of this area in, in California. I don't want to be too specific. I never mention his name, but I go into his home and and he's got a um, a photograph of a poster of Ronald Reagan from the 1950s, uh, some cowboy movie, holding a gun, and on the poster is written, you know, dear Bob or or whatever this guy's name is. Thanks for your service to our nation. Always remember. It's not the size of the gun that matters. It's the size of what's inside the man holding the gun. Thanks for your service to our nation, Ron. I'm like, Ron, uh, how well did you know President Reagan? And he said, well, I had the opportunity to brief the president a few times in the Oval Office. Wow. So then we head off uh, to this guy's uh, ranch, and he's got, oh, I don't know, several kids and a half a dozen, dozen grandkids or more, and he puts on a cousin's camp. Every summer at this uh, 80-acre-sized ranch uh, out in the hills in California. And um, I'm just fascinated by this guy. Incredible fellow. It was on his urging that we had bought the RV and taken off with the kids to travel around the country because he had done that 20, 30 years before. And we're just sitting around talking. And he's telling me uh, stories. He'd he'd been... um, at Fort Bliss when uh, Columbia landed at White Sands that one time and helped with the logistics of that. And yeah, fascinating career. Telling these uh, Cold War stories, you know, said so the Cuban Missile Crisis was kind of a joke because the Soviets just parked ICBM-equipped submarines under six inches of water after uh, after Kennedy backed down. And I'm like, can you talk about this stuff, you know? And and he said, yeah, it's all declassified. And I said, well, you know. And he says, how's your trip? I said, well, it's great. We went right up to the uh, border of Area 51. And he says, uh, Joe, whatever you do, promise me you won't cross the border of that base. I said, Well, it's kind of odd. You know, it's, it's a tourist attraction. The state of Nevada has these extraterrestrial highway signs up. You have people coming from Europe that don't speak English. There's no guard shack, there's no gate, there's no obvious border. There's just orange posts in the middle of the desert. And there's multiple orange posts because the border has changed. And he says, Yeah, but you know what it costs to put up a chain link fence around that base? And I said, No, is that something you looked into? (laughs) (laughs) And I I said, uh, they ought to put up a sign out there that says, you two invented here. You know, someday this will be a national park. And he just laughed until he was about to choke uh, with the idea that someday this will become a national park. And I'm like, well, what part of the Civil War is still classified? Someday, you know, the Cold War will all be unclassified. Maybe it's 100 or 200 years away. But yeah, it'll be a national park. I mean, it's not like we're reverse engineering UFOs out there. (laughs) <laughs> and boom the conversation comes to a close just <laughs> like a brick wall i'm staring at him oh boy i remember this like yesterday it's a vivid image and he's looking at the carpet like he's gonna cry and his wife uh, across the room is staring at him and uh, after what seems like a long beat of time he looks up uh, and looks at our five-year-old daughter at the time haley and says haley sweetheart you want help putting that puzzle together? <laughs> and I'm like, what just happened? What was this? So over the years, we've had conversations and email exchanges, and uh, and he's left me highly intrigued by, by the issue. He's never, I'm sure, never violated whatever secrecy uh, agreements he may have on the issue. But a couple of years later, Phil Corso's book came out the day after Roswell. So I remember emailing him and saying, hey, did you know— um, did you know this guy Corso? He says he was at the Pentagon the same time you were there. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, we knew, uh, we knew Phil and his wife, and uh, his wife, whatever her name is, and I used to go out uh, to dinner with Phil and his wife. Why do you ask? <laughs> I thought, ah, what question do I want to ask next? And, and the one I came up with was, uh, if you were a librarian uh, 10,000 years from now, would you be more likely to put Phil Corso's book in the biography or fiction section of your library? And I got an email back that said, you know, I enjoy our conversations, look forward to, to many more of them uh, about RVs and the meaning of life. But I think it's uh, best if we cease discussion of this particular topic, I certainly know it would be best for me. So, you know, that, that kind of non-answer uh, got me intrigued and uh, just fueled the fire of, of reading more and, and uh, looking at more stuff. I went down to the Roswell Festival with our two youngest kids, met uh, Jesse Marcel, Jr. Ed Mitchell was there that year. And one of the things I find just uh, a fascinating coincidence, if you want, about this whole issue is that Dr. Mitchell, you know, Ph.D. from MIT, sixth man to walk on the moon, grew up outside of Roswell New Mexico as a kid on a hard scrabble ranch i think he was the last living witness by the way to the trinity test site explosion he was out with his dad as i remember the story that i think he told on the radio in roswell that year but it might have been at a at a panel uh, where he was out working with his dad on the ranch on July 16, 1945, and saw the western sky light up like like a false dawn, and wondered what the heck that was, and did not believe, even at the age, I think, of 14 or so, the government's explanation that a, a weapons uh, storage unit out at White Sands had exploded. So I think he was the last living witness, because, you know, how many teenagers saw the Trinity test site explosion live at whatever it was, 5.45 in the morning on July 16th. So I met Dr. Mitchell. Ed Mitchell's going around saying, hey, I've been privileged enough to have been briefed on the fact that the United States government's tried to reverse engineer non-human-created technology. What? One of the 12 guys to walk on the moon is saying the U.S. government's trying to reverse engineer non-human-created technology? Really? And um, out of that, then I... Um, um, well, not out of that, but but at the same time, uh, roughly, I got recruited to run as a libertarian for the United States Congress. So I've been a lifelong uh, libertarian, voted for Ed Clark in 1980. And um, and I'm running for the United States Congress, and people are saying, well, you know, what's your platform? What are you going to do? And I thought, well, I, I think the key to, to turning the American political system around is for Congress to reassert its authority for oversight, and the first step of that ought to be to pass protection on whistleblowers. Let people who are aware of fraud and waste and criminal activity by our government uh, be free of prosecution if they testify to those things, and let's throw in the ET issue too. Uh, Anybody that signed a contract that prohibits them from talking about extraterrestrials Let's be sure that those contracts are waived. I mean, this is the birthright of every human being to know if we're alone in the cosmos or not. So I ran on that in 2008. If you go Google me, you'll find the Park Record ran a a front page article, Immigration Taxes and Little Green Men, Libertarian with a Twist, uh, Joe Bookman, is running for the United States Congress. My kids were thrilled with that when they were in high school, by the way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) They have me on the front page of the local paper.
2: You know, Uh, anything you can do to get your kids proud of you you has to be pretty good. Let's do our break. Okay. Dr. Joseph Buckman talking about, what, running on the ET platform? Hmm. Yep. With Gene, Goggs, and Chris, you're in. The Pericast.
12: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
2: Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de
16: slash gene. If there's a toxic chemical, biological, gas smoke emergency while traveling at home or on your job, are you protected? Are you prepared? There are over 400,000 fires in the USA every year. Up to 85% of all deaths on a fire are due to smoke inhalation. Three minutes without air, and we as humans will die. Be prepared and escape safely with our Safe Escape Smoke Hoods, giving you up to 60 minutes of breathable air protection. Order yours online at ASE-Safety.com. That's ASE-Safety.com. And get up to 40% off plus free shipping.
17: One nutritional secret is that due to soil infertility, plants are not making the percentage of mineral sugars that they did before the advent of chemical agriculture. These mineral sugars are measured in the juice of a plant. The more sugar, the more minerals, proteins, fatty acids, vitamins, and phytochemicals. According to some experts, these mineral sugars would activate the DNA of our body to be efficient at making protein. Due to an absence of enough of these mineral sugars in our plant foods today, our bodies require 40% more protein. One World Way is a technologically enhanced whey protein Protein food that can supplement the protein needs of your diet. It is easy to assimilate and it tastes delicious. However, its most attractive feature is that people from ages 3 to 80 are having phenomenal improvements in health. People are reporting vast improvements in energy and well-being that last for four hours or more from a single serving. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's one Y.com.
18: This is Jacques vallee You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
2: I take it here that your efforts, Joe, to become a congressman, well, I don't see you on the list of congressmen from Utah. <laughs>
10: Yeah, you know, here I am, a non-Mormon uh, in Utah, uh, running for the United States Congress as a libertarian, calling for UFO disclosure, because that's all the media wants to focus on. The waste and fraud and criminal activity doesn't matter. Uh, and I'm running against a Mormon whose last name is Bishop. You know, so It's kind of an, an uphill climb on that uh, campaign. But yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I got to back up, too. I left out another, another key to the firing of my interest in this issue. So whatever summer that they uh, flew John Glenn on a space shuttle, I think it was August of 98, but maybe, maybe one of y'all could Google this or some listener can easily look it up. But I got invited to Houston to give a, a speech at a Boy Scout banquet. I'd been active in scouting my whole life and, and including as an adult, helped write some of the training material that was done at, at national leadership programs of the Boy Scouts and all that kind of thing. And somebody uh, liked something I had said at the university, at Iowa State University, and uh, said, yeah, I want to have you come down to Texas uh, and speak to our uh, group of scouts down there. So off I go. A friend of mine who I had met in scouting in 1977 had earned his MD, and then he became a uh, backcountry physician for Grand Canyon National Park, and then he joined the Air Force, and his lifelong goal was, was to become an astronaut, and he hoped to fly uh, on a shuttle. The explosion of challenger i kind of aged him out for uh, getting on uh, on orbit but he became chief medical officer of nasa this is a guy i do talk about great fellow roger billica and uh, i had known roger since i like i said i met him at a at a conference in 1977 and uh, so i call him up and i say hey i'm in houston i hadn't seen him in over a decade you know i'd love to visit and he called me back and said, yeah, you know, everything's kind of taking a break over at uh, Mission Control in Houston. And he said, uh, what would you like to do? And I said, well, I'd like for you to get me into the room where all the moon rocks are. I'd really like to hold a piece of the moon. And he said, yeah, I can't do that. And I said, well, how about we go get in a, a simulator and practice some landings at the Cape? And he said, oh, I could probably do that, but I might get in trouble. Is there anything else you want to do? And I thought, boy, I better, I better ask for something obvious. So I said, uh, you know, can I sit in the flight surgeon's chair in mission control? He said, absolutely. So off we go get badged through into the Houston uh, uh, NASA facilities, go up to the building that's mission control. There's a little plaque outside. But I was just immediately horrified and disappointed because it it looked – like a college dorm, it was just cinder blocks and government paint and government issued billboards, and it wasn't the uh, Starfleet headquarters that I was expecting. <laughs> but we go up to—I don't know—if it was the second floor or some floor—and and there, there's Mission Control, and there's two of them, two identical Mission Controls, mirror images of each other. I guess uh, in part for a backup, and in part because at the time we had the the NASA mirror thing going with the russian space station and so there was an active mission control going on there with uh, mir as before we had the iss up and then there's the the other mission control so i go in and i get to sit in the capcom chair which was the job i always well as a kid i guess the job i really wanted was the voice of mission control you know but uh, capcom's pretty close and then i sat in the flight surgeon's chair and and i was just exceedingly grateful to Roger, because this was like you know my my childhood uh, kid dream come true, and uh, we leave Mission Control, and there's a bulletin board, and it's the Weekly World News with a uh, you know cover photo uh, of Bill Clinton meeting a space alien coming off of a shuttle.
2: <laughs> well, now we know that really happened
11: yeah exactly
10: and i so i'm glad to see nasa has a sense of humor about this right so we we go back to his apartment and yeah, you know, we're having this conversation and i tell him about the trip uh the year before of of uh going toward the border of area 51 and he, he would well, said to me so you know what did you think and i said well NASA looks like a bunch of antiques. I'm sorry, but you know, the computers are all old, and and gosh, mission control looks like a college dorm room. I guess the best toys are somewhere else, you know. <laughs> and, and I said, Have you ever been out to Area 51? And he's like, oh, you know, If I had, I couldn't talk about it. And I said, Well, we were there, and I tell him the whole story I just told you about my other friend. And I said, you know, it's kind of weird because uh, I would have expected uh, this other guy to have said something like, well, you can't believe everything you hear about UFOs or, or whatever. And instead, he just stops talking. I mean, it's not like we have flying saucers shadowing our shuttle missions on orbit, right? <laughs> and it's the same experience again. It's like, boom, brick wall. Fun conversation to zero,
2: Now, I want to be realistic about this because we're a quarter, third of the way through the show. All right. First of all, Corso. A lot of what Corso says is highly disputed. A lot of it was edited for the final book from what the original manuscript shows. And the manuscript's online. You can check it out. Also, it appears here that some people say this may have been all about disinformation. We didn't get night vision goggles from reverse-engineered alien technology. You can trace that technology back to the 30s and the Germans. Things like that. Realism. Roswell. Kevin Randall, someone who's spent 30 years investigating Roswell. And lately, he's been going back to classic cases, and he has a book on Saqqara, New Mexico coming out later this year, where he looks at all the evidence anew, possibly as a cold case, and he sees what passes muster. And a lot of what we believed about Roswell doesn't pass muster. Something happened that maybe not what we think happened. Just want to be realistic about both, okay?
10: Yeah, I got it. I'm still answering the question of how did I get interested in this stuff? And, and, and <laughs> if I left the impression that I find... Uh, day after Roswell to be biblical uh, prophecy and and historical truth. Um, Let me retract that. Uh, I was listening to Richard (laughs) Dolan the other day, and he said, yeah, there's these kind of camps in ufology, and there's the John Alexander, Nick Pope, Leslie Keene camp. And I thought, well, I guess that's the one I'm in. I may lean a little uh, more toward uh, toward the uh, ETH uh, than those guys do, but I'm certainly not in the camp of the... uh, Stephen Greer's Polola Harris's uh uh total non-credible uh stuff. You know, uh did you really edit that out? This isn't over the uh the, the, anyway. yes it is. Uh, it, it goes yeah.
2: over real radio. We're on GCN <laughs> and any use of words that are within the seven deadly words have to go because the FCC is controlling 32 radio stations on which this show is heard.
10: Well, see, and I, I listened to the Paracast at my convenience online, and that just uh, having been uh, someone who earned a PhD in, in uh, telecommunication, which was the radio TV department of IU, I apologize. I should know better.
2: Well, no one is uh,
4: going to hear it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, 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 we like the fact that you're passionate. Uh, Gene constantly is scolding me for for skirting the edge. I would have said uh, something like liquid feces coming out of bovine
2: anuses or something. But you know something? We have a second show after the Paracast. You're going to be on that. There you go. It's uncensored. And the words that you can't say here, ladies and gentlemen, there are things he can't say here. (laughs) He will say on after the Paracast. You got to go to plus.theparacast.com and sign up. To hear, as they say, as a late newscaster once used to refer to as the rest of the story.
18: Paul
10: Harvey. The rest of the story. Um... Yeah, I was in Chicago at the Museum of Broadcast Communications when Paul Harvey got their Lifetime Achievement Award. That was a lot of fun. Um, They also had the guy who did uh, "In The Galloping Hoof Beasts Far Over the Horizon. It's the Lone Ranger. That guy was there.
2: Um, You're talking about Clayton Moore? Yes. My God. You know, this is funny, too, about Clayton Moore. He was the last guy to play the Lone Ranger. Yes. And he did it on TV and some movies. He was a B-movie actor, and he became so involved in the character. He'd appear in public with either the mask, which the original producers and owners of the rights of the Lone Ranger would not let him do, or he'd wear dark sunglasses. And this was until he was like 75, 80 years old, and he's still coming on TV, and he was a Lone Ranger. That was it for him. It was like William Boyd became Hopalong Cassidy. This is before everybody else's time. They got this character, and this character was so important to them, had such an impact on people. That's the end of their career. It doesn't happen to actors anymore nowadays. But in those days, you got really connected to a role. That was it. We're going to talk to (laughs) Joe Bookman. I know Goggs has a question with Gene and Chris. You're in.
10: (laughs) The (laughs) Paracast.
1: Attack of the Rockoids and the Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S.com.
18: This is Dan Pillar. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands, and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement, and I'm telling you. There's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com.
1: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
2: We continue here, Dr. Joseph Bookman telling us his life story about his voyage. To look for America or to look for UFOs with Gogs so, Mackay, Chris O'Brien, Gene Steinberg. Goggs, you want to chime in there with a question before we go on?
3: Yes, hi Joseph Goggs here. I wanted to ask about what are your interests um, extending out with the UFO field, but still within the paranormal? Is there any other of these other subjects that you're interested in? Could you tell us a bit about that if you are?
10: Absolutely. So, you know, I, uh, John Alexander in his book, UFOs, Misrealities, Realities and Conspiracies, uh, starts out with the first sentence, uh, UFOs are real, there's non-human created technology flying in our skies, there's multiple military pilot uh, witness reports coincident with radar, and I find that maybe the most credible paragraph by any researcher uh, in the field. It's certainly up there with with Ed Mitchell's uh, testimony about what he alleges to have been briefed on but i find even more fascinating the last chapter in john's book where he says you know the eth hypothesis is not sufficient to cover all the data there's more going on here and you know i live only um less than 200 miles west of the Skinwalker Ranch area, and John and Bob Bigelow certainly spent a fair amount of time and money up there looking at what the heck is going on. Whatever it was, seemed to know what the human beings were going to do next before they had even thought about it. So the, the connection between this and consciousness uh, and the broader field of phenomenology is, is really what fascinates me. Uh, Who are we? Why are we here? What's the nature of the universe? Are we alone? Is there biological life that's ahead of us, that built technology, that got it here? Are there multiple dimensions? Is it possible to travel with thought uh, through time and space? I don't know. but But I find all that not only scientifically interesting, but extending out into the field of religion, you know, the study of of what reconnects us to who we really are. That's the etymology of religion. It comes from the same root as ligament, connection, reconnecting.
3: I was thinking of something today um, that I hadn't thought of for a while. You know the old, old saying when they say, you know, if a tree falls over in a forest and no one's around, does it make a sound? You know, I was kind of thinking, turning that around and thinking, I'll bet that, all these kind of uh, UFO landing events, let's say Close Encounter 4s or something in which, you know, somebody stumbles across a, a landed saucer and there's little guys going around and they're collecting rocks or making pancakes with somebody or whatever strange stuff. And I have to think that that is always for someone's benefit if such things are happening. I don't believe they're happening when they don't have an audience, you know, like in the middle of Siberia nowhere, there's no, you know, reindeer herdsmen around or anything. I don't believe these same things are happening. I think they're always happening for an audience and for a purpose, which, you know, we can't kind of work out. But what do you think about that? That it's always for a human audience or let's say a conscious audience? I have no idea. Maybe the entire cosmos is designed for that.
10: In quantum mechanics, they talk about reality not existing until it's observed. Uh, so that would be the macro hypothesis expressing that point of view. I don't know. You know, unlike some people who run around uh, charging fees and uh, selling their books and seminars, uh, they don't say I don't know very often. I find those people not to be so credible. I don't have a clue what's really going on. I, I, I am, however, uh, fascinated by it. To go back to my uh, my friend in that apartment in, in Houston, where, again, we had the brick wall of, of talking about this subject. He looks at me. I, I just said, so it's not like we have flying saucers uh, shadowing our shuttle missions on orbit, Right. And and he just stops, and he says, you know, um, Joe, before I answer that question, I've got three questions for you. And by the way, on the way home from this, on the flight home, I made notes. Uh, I didn't have a tape recorder with me, but I wanted to get this down and not have my memory misremember this. Uh, but but I remember very clearly, and, and I made contemporary notes at the time to to memorialize it. He says, um, Joe, do you think I've ever lied to you? And I said, no, Roger. I mean, we're both Eagle Scouts, and— Grew up together? No, I would, I would never imagine that you would lie to me. He says, Do you think there's anything anybody could ever do to cause me to lie to someone else? And I said, No. I mean, I knew he was active in his church. He looks at human life as a testing ground for a greater spiritual life to come, that kind of orientation. No, I don't think you'd lie. Why, Roger? And he says, uh, Third question Where would you like to go to lunch? I said, I'd like to go to that Chinese place in, in uh, the right stuff where all the astronauts hang out. He goes, oh, that closed years ago. But I'll, I'll take you out to lunch where we might meet an astronaut. So we go out to lunch and uh, didn't wind up seeing any astronauts in that restaurant that day. But over lunch, he says, Joe, you know, there's some things I would love to talk about that I think are really important, things I'd even like to share with my own wife. But if I were to do so, they would find out I would go to a place worse than the Leavenworth. She would lose the health care and the retirement benefits that I have worked to earn. So please don't ever ask me this question again. Wow. So that's what fueled when I'm running for Congress then as a libertarian saying – Let's get Congress to protect whistleblowers and pass legislation eliminating whatever contracts people have signed that would get in their way of openly testifying about waste and fraud and criminal activity in our government and the ET issue. If somebody signed a contract somewhere in that world of military contractors or government employees that prohibits them from talking about knowledge that we're not alone in the universe – Let's have the United States Congress pass legislation to wipe out those agreements. I assume, by the way, in that, that the Congress has the authority to do that. I'm not even sure that's the case. I I think these people may see those contracts as being something extra constitutional, which, if that's the case, then is is really fascinating. But uh, I'm just left kind of curious about these two people I've known who will not talk about this issue, uh, claiming that... uh, that you know part of their uh, employment
3: history uh, prevents them from talking about it openly why would Let, that be let's talk about how over here in the uk there is something in our house of parliament called a private members bill and that's basically where a, a single uh, political representative a member of parliament here um Creates and puts proposes put forward uh, a a bill for some kind of new law and usually it's kind of kind of quirky uh, not mainstream party manifesto stuff but anyway there is a, a a mechanism for a single representative to put forward and these things do sometimes get through get passed and made into law. Is there an equivalent in the American political system where one representative can put forward a proposal for law and it may go through? No, there's not.
10: Uh, What there is, however, is is what Mike Gravel said at the citizens' hearing. And and by the way, I'm the guy that got Mike Gravel there if we want to talk about the prehistory of the citizens' hearing. Uh, I'm just shaking my head and kind of my own uh, disbelief and wonder at, at uh, what I imagine saying about all of that. But Gravel said at the citizens' hearing to um, Nick Pope and, and um, John Burroughs and Jim Penniston, look, nobody's going to come after you for violating those, those oaths that you say you've given. And the greater oath is to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. So if you're serving uh, in the United States military or have served in the past, uh, and you have in any way given an, an officer in the, in the uh, armed services of the United States a, uh, an agreement that violates your primary commitment to the Constitution, that's that word I used again earlier. And uh, don't worry about that. Uh, You know, uh, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. You're free to talk about this stuff. And he's saying this as a a former United States senator who did that very thing in uh, reading the Pentagon Papers into the congressional record under the Buildings and Grounds Committee that he chaired of the United States Senate. And that stopped the uh, Nixon administration from pursuing legal action against the New York Times and others.
2: We've got Um, more to come with Joe Bookman.
1: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
11: Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with pure soap. These all natural, earth friendly pure soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5 That's F-I-V-E starsoapcom Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog.
9: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, GCN telecare.com virtual care anywhere. Hi friends let me
14: ask you a question why do we get car insurance for our cars, fire insurance for our homes and life insurance for our lives and not even consider identity insurance for our identities? I mean isn't our identity one of the most important commodities we have? Well of course it is. My friends at Liberty ID they understand this and that's why they're the leading provider of turnkey solutions to America's fastest growing crime identity theft. Are you covered? Why not? Don't wait. Call today at 844 for Liberty to get covered now. Do you realize that your children are vulnerable, your parents are vulnerable, and yes, you are vulnerable as well? Liberty ID has successfully, in three years, restored over sixty thousand identities, restored their good name, and that is absolutely priceless. Now I know there's many companies out there saying they can do this, but Liberty ID is the proven leader that restores your good name for you. Call them at 844 44 Liberty or visit them at libertyid.com and make sure
0: Easy. Affordable. Effective.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
2: This is the kind of guest I like, whether we agree with him or not. You say, Joe, answer this question, and you just sit back, hang out, relax, and enjoy. Go ahead.
18: Um, What was
10: the question? (laughs) Where was was I? You know, let's leap ahead. I run for Congress. I write Steve Bassett. He's doing these X conferences in Washington, D.C. And I said, hey, you know, I'm a poor college professor. I'm on a budget but I I saw your conference. I'd like to come. I'm on the ballot. He said, really, you're on the ballot. Let me call you back. So I guess he goes and Googles me and he calls me back and he says, Joe, you're the third guy, this is in 2008, third guy to run for federal office and call for disclosure. The first was uh, James Earl Carter when he promised to open the UFO files when he was running for president in 1976. Second was one Stephen Bassett when he ran for Congress in Washington, D.C., I've forgotten the year, but it was the year they had those shooters that were firing a rifle out of the trunk of a car through the license plate and killing people around D.C., which was a little distracting for that campaign. And then there's me, and he says, if you want to come to the X conference, I can't uh, pay your travel, but come on out. I'll give you a VIP pass. So off I go to Gaithersburg, and that's where I first met Colonel Alexander. Uh, saw Ed Mitchell again, who I had met years earlier in Roswell. And, you know, then crazy people uh, like uh, Alfred Weber were there (laughs) at the other extreme. Uh, I loved it. It was fascinating. You know, I got a little bit of time there. And in, in the time I had, again, I'm running as a libertarian. I said to the couple hundred people there, including John, Paul Hellyer was there. I said, you know, the one thing I'm confident of, There are no Democrats and there are no Republicans anywhere in the entire cosmos except for on this one backward planet. But if they are here, they're using pretty advanced technology to get here. Just like Carl Sagan said to Senator Proxmire in the argument for keeping SETI funding going, you know, maybe there's this great wall that every technologically advanced civilization hits where they just blow themselves up, which is one of the answers to the Fermi paradox. So if we're doing SETI, it can tell us about our own future. So I say to the X conference, so if they are here, they're using high tech to get here. They haven't used it to blow themselves up. It means they have the non-initiation of aggression paradigm as a core principle. That means they're libertarians. So while there's no Democrats and no Republicans anywhere in the cosmos, if they're here, the universe is teeming with libertarians, and I'm looking forward to meeting them. And so that got me a nice laugh and a little bit of attention at the X conference. And uh, out of that, I became grateful to Steve Bassett. I mean, Steve's...
20: Hmm.
10: <laughs> that kind of says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> the character in fiction who most reminds me of Steve Bassett as Don Quixote, tilting at some self-created windmills, totally lost in the purity of that battle, and noble in that sense. I mean, this is a guy who, at least in the field of ufology, unlike some others who I mentioned earlier, uh, in my experience of him, is not doing it for his personal wealth or aggrandizement or lifestyle. Uh, He's just thrown himself 100% into the conviction that somebody knows something that he can bang on their door long enough and they'll admit it. And I feel like Sancho Panza sometimes to to his Don Quixote character. Uh, and I, I can admire that. Uh, I, and I you know, and he also listens to me, and we've had some intense conversations where I've given him harsh feedback about what's not working and, and what he does. But then they come to the citizens hearing. And so I want to talk about that if we have time. I don't know if we're on the verge of a break or not or if I should just
2: leave no, it. we're about halfway through this segment. So why don't we start this? I just to back up a little bit. Our listeners will know when the Citizen's Hearing on Disclosure was occurring. Chris gave us reports he was a camera person there. We don't say cameraman anymore, a camera person (laughs) or or camera creature there. And so we had some on-site information about that. So, yeah, it's good to have heard Chris's point of view. Now I'd like to hear your point of view. You got sucked into this thing, sounds
10: like. Oh, I... I loved it. I, you know, Chris is on the back wall. I'm on the front wall in the podium. Merrill Cook's just to my left. I served as the moderator for the citizen hearing. But before that, I, I, I've been credited by Bassett, including in the testimony he gave during the hearing, for, for saving it, for which I'll apologize to the listeners <laughs> of <to> the Paracast. <laughs> you know, Like everything associated with with Steve, I have mixed feelings. And they they range from unreserved admiration to just befuddled frustration and exhaustion and um, disappointment. So how that came about, after the X conferences, I I went to two of them, I think, back there. I didn't go to the last one. Maybe I didn't go to the last two. But then Steve moved to uh, L.A., and he met up with uh, Ruben Langdon. And uh, Ruben had had uh, some sort of encounter experience, and he found Steve credible and wanted to support Steve. And and he did that by giving him uh, basically free housing in Culver City. I'm a big fan of the Magic Castle in Hollywood. Uh, I belong to an amateur magician's association. I, I'm a magician if the qualification for magician is spending a lot of money to buy a lot of stuff, to see how things are really done, and then never practicing and performing. I'm that kind of magician. But I do love going to Hollywood and visiting the Magic Castle, which is the world's premier venue for especially close-up magic. So whenever I'd get to Las Vegas for a conference or I'd go down there sometimes for magicians' conferences or i go every year to the National Association of Broadcasters and the Consumer Electronics Show, I'd usually go ahead and drive the extra four hours down to Hollywood. And I'd call up Steve or other friends and take him to the Magic Castle and um, – spent time with Steve there as he's, you know, literally sleeping on a couch, getting online, doing the Paradigm Research Group emails and whatever. And he puts together a pretty interesting group of uh, Hollywood people that are interested in phenomenology and the ET issue. And they have a monthly meetup. And, and you know, that's where I met um, Whitley Strieber, Armedik Kalika, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, who was the, the director of uh, the Stephen Greer's serious movie, uh, and others. And so I'd try to get down there for the ET Media meetup group that he would have in, in Rubin's studios. And, um, and I'd always fill his car with gas and buying him a hot meal. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, Steve calls me one day and, uh, in November of uh, 2012, and he says, Joe uh got a million dollars worth of funding wow miracles happen and he says i'm gonna i'm gonna pull off the citizens hearing uh idea that we've had for years and um i just want to give you a heads up about it and so he did and so uh so they decide to come to the sundance film festival and i live up in park city at the time and been a volunteer for sundance for over a decade love the sundance film Festival met buzz aldrin at the sundance film festival by the way and then to go down another tangent sundance turned me into a cartoon if you go google um, uh, bookman or buckman it's pronounced both ways by the way gene either one's fine uh i grew up buckman now i'm a bookman but my grandparents were bookman it's a long story but my dad was always a buckman anyhow if you google buckman and sundance you'll turn up a youtube video of me telling the story about meeting buzz aldrin
4: let's
2: go into that and more in our next segment with Gene Chris Scoggs. You're in.
3: The podcast.
12: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
19: Would it be okay if you had two paychecks instead of
21: one? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the dead doctors don't like I and myself, want to show you how to get an extra paycheck every month, creating an extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. radio.recordedvideo.com. Or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message.
22: Hi there, I'm Bob
1: Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust— the Tax Defense Group. They're the most trusted name in tax. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. Ignoring the IRS is not the solution. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, seize your home or business, but the Tax Defense Group could put a stop to all of that and tailor a program that would reduce your tax debt to pennies on the dollar. You got to love that. So don't just take my word for it. Call them. Find out for yourself. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee, and they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either.
7: Call now for your free and confidential tax analysis from the most trusted name in tax. Call
23: 800-361-6907. 800-361-6907. Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves, home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP-hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to help offset your electric bill automatically. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to learn more
16: Jerome Clark, author of
9: the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast.
2: So, here, I want to say I don't think Gog sounds quite like David Tennant with his native accent, but it's not dissimilar.
3: No, he's from a different part. He is quite different, actually.
2: The fact that he allows it, though, you know, he was the first Doctor Who to speak that way, right?
3: Well, I think so. But there was that guy after a couple of doctors after Tom Baker, who many people don't know is Scottish. He's short guy, dark hair. This would have been the mid or early 80s. I forget his name. Mm. Michael B.
2: This oh, is funny, by the way. Just a quick thing about David Tennant, and then we'll go back to Mr. Buckman and Bookman. David Tennant is married to a woman who is the daughter of Peter Davison, who was another Doctor Who. So remember, David Tennant grew up three or four years old. He wanted to be Doctor Who. He grows up to become Doctor Who, then marries the daughter of another Doctor Who. And to make things even crazier, the guy who plays Alfred on Gotham, the Batman prequel, is the son of a Doctor Who. Let's go on, Joe. Joe. Not about Doctor Who. Uh,
10: Mr. What? <laughs> so, Steve, yes, I'm excited for Steve, and this is amazing. Tom Clearwater, this Canadian, comes up with a $1,100,000 <laughs> gives it to Steve Bassett. And nicely done, by the way. He had also funded uh, uh, the other Steve, Stephen Greer, and this was money that could have gone uh, there instead. And so I was certainly a fan of it, of it coming to Mr. Bassett over Dr. Greer. Um Imagine if this
2: money was used for something that really would accomplish something. (laughs) I don't talk about MUFON either.
10: Yeah. Something
2: that would accomplish something meaningful.
10: I'd love to see Chris get his uh, super camera system up there around the the mysterious valley. That kind of camera tracking and other equipment uh, pointing skyward would probably be a good thing. Seemed like a good thing at the time. I mean, you know, to do a faux hearing with retired members of Congress, get the best witnesses out there. I mean, the concept, as designed, uh, was brilliant. What was missing was a full vetting of some of the witnesses. Hallelujah! Um, Yeah, I mean, I mean that and. You know, that was part of the early design. I I was in those conversations in in the the late 2012, early 2013 uh, timeframe. So one of the things they look at doing is uh, coming to the Sundance Film Festival, not as a part of the official program, but coincident with it, which a lot of people do. There's a lot of stuff that shows up in Park City that's not Part of the festival itself, but becomes associated with it, including Dr. Greer, who had been here, I believe, the year before, or perhaps two years before with Chris Cristicelli, who had put on his uh, 3D virtual reality uh, venue, you know, in a, in a private spot. Again, not a part of the official Sundance program, but part of the overall party that goes on. So um, Stephen Rubin uh, and uh, Jeremy Corbell come to that and schedule a uh, press briefing at a, at a hotel in Park City to announce that the documentary Truth Embargo is being produced, it's fully funded, that turns out not to be the case later, uh, and that this uh, hearing will also occur Ah uh, truth embargo is going to be more than just a documentary of the hearing. it's going to follow the historian Dolan, the activist bassett, the researcher or journalist uh, Lynmoon Hal, and tell their stories. and uh, you know Jeremy Corbell's there weaving this fanciful tale of of how uh, beautiful this documentary will be. Ed Mitchell's there on Skype answering questions from reporters. The room's pretty well filled and it's kind of exciting. and they rented a house, uh, Big home in Park City for a month, uh, and they're hosting parties out there and networking through Sundance, and and it's just uh, fantastic. So I'm hanging out with Steve. I'm over to the house, and I said, "So you know who all of you got on the committee?" <laughs> this is late January, early February, 2013. They're going to do this in March, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he says, "Well, I haven't got anyone on the on the committee yet. I haven't invited anyone." And I remember screaming, what? Which is my Dr. What comment from a moment ago. What are you talking about? You don't have. I said, these guys may be retired, but it's not like they don't have full calendars. This thing's like eight, nine weeks away. And I, I literally blew a cork and, and followed him from that moment till he printed out 50 invitations, printed up the envelopes we put stamps on them. I drove him to the post office and made him mail 50 invitations to former members of Congress before, uh, before he left town. This was now after Sundance was over, uh, probably in the second week of February. And uh, he said, well, you know, Joe, before we invite members of Congress, we got to have, you know, the witnesses identified. We got to have the venue set. We got to have a website up that looks professional. So these guys know that, uh, that we're not just a fly-by-night thing and i'm somewhat sympathetic to that it's only been from november to february did get all that up and you know witnesses were reluctant they didn't know who the members of congress were going to be it's kind of like a chicken and egg problem so in march i get a phone call from mr bassett and he says uh it's over everything's over got to refund tom clearwater's money." we're not going to have a citizen's hearing. Only one person out of the 50 invitations wrote me back, and she's ready to bail. Uh, and she won't let me announce her name until I get two more people. i got to have at least three, and it's a dead end. Um, we're, we're just going to have to call the whole thing off. And then prior to that, by the way, he said he was going to turn me into a star. I was going to be a part of the Truth Embargo documentary, longtime supporter. I'm going to be the, uh, I'm going to be the expert on the committee hearing. Uh, a staff member-like person who's also going to be asking questions of of the witnesses uh, during the hearings and and all of this. And I said, "Well, Steve, you know, give me 48 hours. Don't don't call Tom Clearwater. Give me 48 hours. I'll see if I can't stir up a couple of members of Congress for you." And I really have no idea how I'm going to do that. But in 2008. Five years earlier, I had been in Denver for the Libertarian Presidential Nominating Convention, the year we wound up nominating former United States Congressman Bob Barr. What a disaster that was, but – Uh, but Bob ran as the libertarian nominee in 2008 and Senator Mike Gravel had tried to get that nomination and did not, but I had become friends with Mike. I had bought his book before that conference, wanted to get it autographed. I'm a fan of Mike Gravel. He was a whistleblower. He, he protected the, the New York times against the Nixon administration over the Pentagon papers. Uh, he was an advocate for ending the draft. Uh, this is an American hero. I'm not going to miss the chance to meet Mike. Uh, and, and just a terrific fellow. Um, and the other one I called up was Merrill Cook, a congressman from, uh, from Utah. I got Merrill first and his son, uh, Merrill Cook's son had won an award from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, uh, uh an ASSO award. And, and Merrill had served on the, the, uh, space and science and technology committees during his two terms in Congress. So Merrill said, yeah, I'd love to do it. And, um, and then I got hold of Mike Gravel, and Mike said, yeah, I'd love to do it, but I've got a vacation on the Danube uh, that same week, so gosh darn it, I can't do it. And I said, well, you realize uh, uh, Steve had already talked to him, and Steve had said, oh, yeah, I got hold of Gravel. Gravel can't do it. I said, what? So I called Mike back. He says, yeah, I told Bassett I couldn't do it. I said, did Steve tell you they're paying $20,000? And he said, no, Steve never mentioned that. And I thought, what an idiot. I just remember thinking this. I said, "Well, call Steve back and tell him you'll do it for twenty grand plus whatever it's going to cost you to to reschedule your vacation. They'll probably cover those costs." I'm thinking an extra couple of thousand dollars. What the heck? So, uh, so, he, so Mike calls Steve uh, back up and says, "Yeah, he'll do it if they can give him the money plus plus whatever expenses he has for rearranging his schedule at the last minute." You know, to do this thing. So now we got Mike Gravel, Meryl Cook, and Carolyn Kilpatrick, God bless her, comes out from the shadows and is the third member of the committee. We kept her from bailing at the last minute. And then everybody wants to be on the committee. Once we got Mike Gravel, the invitations to other members of Congress suddenly have the gravitas that takes them to look at it seriously.
2: Long and short of it is, he gives it credibility. We'll talk more about the genesis of the citizens' hearing on disclosure. Despite the presence of Steve Bassett, <laughs> with Gene, Chris, Joe, and Gogs, are too many people here. I can't keep up with them. You're in the paracast.
12: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
2: Neighbors. I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to wwwlemkeysoftde slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene.
23: Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you
13: need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP Hardened Generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP Hardened Solar Generator Energy Insurance. For your family or business, call Portable Solar LLC today.
6: Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of this book is from the future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
2: Okay, so this is gelling now. Former U.S. Senator gets involved. And suddenly it starts taking on credibility. What interests me very briefly, Joe, is the fact that they take twenty thousand dollars. Because you have stories here about former candidates or members of Congress getting two hundred thousand dollars. This sounds like kind of lowballing it, don't you think?
10: Absolutely. Originally they were offering ten. Carolyn had agreed to do it for ten grand for the week, plus expenses for her and a spouse. The real amount of money spent per congressman was probably closer to 25000 or more with the hotel, the air travel, two people. I had at first reached out to a friend of mine in scouting, uh, former congressman Ed Pease, out of Indiana. And I called Ed and told him what I was working on. He would have loved to have done it, but he, he was working for a, a company that would not give him permission to do things like that. And it was Ed who said, "Look, 10 grand is not going to get anybody's attention. You're talking about you know a 40-hour work week. You're asking them to do prep work in advance of the hearings." By the way, Steve's original design was to have all 43 witnesses uh, submit their testimony in writing and have that vetted before the hearings occurred and get all of the testimony in writing to all members of the committee to review more than a month in advance. You'll note Carolyn Kilpatrick mentioned that during the hearings and chastised people like Dr. Greer for not getting their uh, written testimony in early. And others did. Nick Pope was pristine, for example, on that. Nick's awesome. So we're gathering uh, you know, witness testimony. We're putting the committee together. It's now Late February, early March, or mid March. By the time this stuff is happening, so it was mid March when he called me and said he was going to refund money to Tom Clearwater. And then we, within two days, I come up with Gravel and Cook and Kilpatrick, and then Reuben credited me with saving it. They were ready to pull the plug on it. By the way, I want to go down a little bit of a tangent here. You know, some have said that uh, Steve Bassett bankrupted Just Cause Productions and put him out of business. And there's this acrimony between Steve and Ruben and Jeremy now. I was around in the early days of that. Ruben was being sued by some former interns over whether they should have been paid or not. Uh, The state of California sided with the interns. Ruben wound up with a judgment, plus paying for the other side's legal fees. That's what took down Just Cause. The citizens' hearing, if anything, kept that company going for an extra six months or a year. And so I'm not... Uh, someone who would uh, agree with the proposition that Steve somehow bankrupted
4: the company due to his excessive spending. Ruben brought it on completely brought it on himself. Thank you for for I was involved in the post-production of the the project and I saw exactly what went on and some of the stories that have come out that uh, you know I mean they they took a lot of money from people up front uh, to provide the, the DVDs of the entire project and the Within two, three weeks of, of, you know, getting everything in the can from the shoot, we had it all done. I mean, it was all edited and ready to go and ready to be duplicated. And uh, Ruben took it back over uh, because he didn't like uh, the way the edit was done. It took him over two years to actually do the editing of the project, which came out <laughs> way less professional than yeah, he well, claimed ours was. I think ours was was actually quite professional. Uh, compared to the final product but you know if you're going to be doing something and hiring people uh, and giving them uh, you know job titles and and tasks to perform let them do their job don't jump in and and then say well I can do it better than you and then screw the whole thing over for two and a half years it was really unfortunate the way that it was totally mishandled and I think Stephen could have stepped in and really cracked the whip (laughs) instead of just letting everybody else figure it out. I was pretty dismayed over the way the whole thing fell apart after all the uh, footage was in the can.
10: I'm heartbroken by it. We've leapt ahead, by the way, and and there's more to tell in, in the timeline, but I don't get it. I don't understand it. I've been threatened with legal action myself if I were to publish what I was promised. I had the rights to. Uh, I didn't get paid what I was promised to be paid for the work that I did. You know, they went bankrupt. Whatever happened. By the time we get to DC, there's just credit cards and no real money left. The the money that Clearwater had had given turned out to be in hard silver. The silver market tanks. The 1.1 million turns out to be closer to 700 thousand. If it had been 1.1 million or gone up, as Steve was expecting it. To, to, increase in value, not decline, then the truth embargo probably would have got produced. There would have been plenty of money for everybody, but all these things kind of flew together into this um, disaster. But the part of it, uh, Chris, that I don't understand, and, and you're more of an expert at the video production filmmaking business than I, but here you have uh, Dr. Greer, who, by the way, one of the things I will praise Dr. Greer for is his ability to monetize this issue with the serious documentary and now the unacknowledged uh, documentary, which was just repurposing a bunch of old video. I went to LA for the premiere. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> Anyhow, his ability to, to do Kickstarter or GoFundMe and raise money and, and all that. And here, Jeremy Corbell is sitting on, on in my view, a goldmine of high def video, 40 hours or more of the citizen's hearing, plus whatever they managed to shoot with anonymous and uh, Linda Moulton Howell and uh, Richard Dolan, and uh, Steve Bassett—all that he's got—all that material sitting there, and yet, and yet they say they need to raise more money to edit it together. Uh, when Greer is out there showing you that you know, with very little time and effort, you can pull stuff together and throw it in a theater and and uh, make a few hundred thousand dollars—it it just blows me away. But anyway, in, in the in the moment in D.C. Uh, on May third, uh, the thing's over. And you know they're they're not uh, giving me the check I'd been promised, which was okay. I mean, I had a great time in D.C. I did get paid. I think I got ten or eleven thousand uh, dollars over the previous few months for the work I was doing, which was pretty much full time from Sundance uh, through the hearings. But what I was promised by Reuben, uh, and he's confirmed this since, was the rights to the written material. I wanted to put out a congressional record like, footnoted, cited, verified version of all the testimony uh, from the citizen's hearing uh, in print. And he said, yeah, you can have the print rights. We just want the video and audio. And now they've said, Ruben and Jeremy if you do that, it could uh, diminish our ability to monetize what we have, and their, their hope was to sell the whole package to the History Channel or, or Sci-Fi or somebody, and so they didn't want me publishing the written transcript in case that potential buyer would want it all. And I've said, okay, but I, I have typed every word, I've given it all to them for free to use for the closed captioning, and I feel kind of, uh, frankly, screwed. But time will go by. Eventually, that'll come out. It'll be a contribution I'll make to history. But in the process of footnoting and citing uh, the testimony, you know, I've run across some false statements by people like Dr. Greer and Colonel French, Paul Hellier, and this is the kind of vetting that should have occurred when they were going to submit their written testimony a yeah. month or more in advance. Yeah, and they haven't vetted all of that, and that was part of the design. But, you know, Steve's flaw, uh, one of Steve's flaws, and, and I've said this to him directly, and by, and by the way, I want to leave the context under this. I love the guy. I, I don't think he's ripping people off. I don't think he's a liar. Uh, he may be the most outrageously, overly optimistic human being I've ever met, but, but I don't see any guile or intentional deception, and, and I've been close enough to the guy to, uh, I think I would have turned that up, where I see that in others almost immediately. Uh, And so Dr. Greer testified under oath. I pulled it up here in the transcript. He's testifying before the six former members of Congress. This document's not yet been released. I'll make it available to the committee. There's great progress being made. Admiral Morin, who won the prize Ampere in France and is a medical doctor, as am I, and also a PhD physicist and was an advisor to President Sarkozy and others, has been meeting with us. Well, there is no such individual. (laughs) There's a list of Ampere Prize winners out on the internet from France. Uh, There's no Marin. There's no Admiral Marin in France. There's no Dr. Marin. Uh, This individual does not exist. And yet, here's Greer saying, we've been meeting with him, and he repeated it later at one of the evening sessions. And uh, so I wrote to the good doctor and said, hey, how do you spell Marin? I don't seem to be turning this up because all I've got is the audio. I don't know the spelling of any of these names, which which took a lot of time for closed military bases in South America and generals in France. And, you know, I'm looking up all this stuff. Dr. Gur wrote me back immediately and said, yeah, I have to check my files. I'll get back to you. I've not heard from him since.
2: <laughs> well, that you know a- what? Don't hold your breath because no, you're going to be really, wheezing yeah. soon.
4: I'll send you no two tank.
10: <laughs> so I mean, this is outrageous. I'm the guy on stage. Raise your hand. Repeat after me. I promise to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. To the members of this committee today. Thank you. Have a seat. That was me. He rose his hand. He swore under oath. Uh, and by the way, I don't have a problem with somebody giving incorrect testimony under under oath. I have a problem with you don't correct that after the fact for the official record when confronted with it. That I have a big problem with.
2: We'll have a problem um, if we don't break. More to come with Joe and Chris and Gogs and Gene. You're in. The Paracast.
12: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
2: We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy
1: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
2: Well, of course, in a case like this, Joe, you could swear to anything, it's just a faux hearing.
10: Well, until you know Dr. Bookman PhD dude thinking that uh, it might be a good thing to, to go uh, uh, verify the testimony <laughs> gets on your uh, – there's another word I was going to say that I shouldn't say on the radio. By the way, I, I, I then, after typing all this stuff up in the course of the fall of 2013 and early 2014, I sent it all out to Don Schmidt, Stan Friedman, Nick Pope. I'm like, here's your testimony as I've uh, transcribed it. Please proofread this because I can make errors too. Human beings make errors. It's okay. You can swear under oath and make an honest mistake. The point is when you're confronted with it, you clean it up. And Nick Pope went through his testimony and said, you know, there's a couple of things that I should probably have said a little differently. Here's whatever. And he caught a couple of typos. Nick is the best in my view of a witness who prepares in advance Gives you his testimony, delivers the testimony, you know, corrects it later. This guy is pristine. And so, you know, I didn't change what he said to the committee, but I put it in a footnote or as an appendix or whatever. And then others who I respect, like Stan Friedman, uh, didn't get back to me. Um, and I didn't follow up to pursue that because by now I'm getting you know, cautioned not to publish this or put it up on the internet for free or, or whatever I want to do with it. By the way, day one, before those warnings came, I gave to the Colorado MUFON people. And I think you can go out there and find my written transcript, the early draft of all of day one on a, on a Colorado MUFON site. Uh, I also went to Burning Man, by the way, I love Burning Man, and gave a, um, a TED talk out there. At Playa School, where I also gave out free copies of the day one uh, written transcript. And somebody found one of those in a bin at Center Camp, just stumbled across it and put it up on the internet. Let's back up though. So we're, we're prior, we're, at, we're in early April of 2013, citizens' hearings coming together. And, and one of the things I started to say earlier that I've, I've told Steve in, in pretty direct feedback he's a micromanager. He does not build a team around him, and he doesn't delegate. The, the biggest lie in his uh, advocacy is that he calls his organization the Paragon uh, Paradigm Research Group. There's no group. It's Steve. And here's Steve trying to pull off this mega event at the National Press Club, 43 witnesses, 10 different nations. They're going to have simultaneous live translation into Mandarin and Spanish. They were going to have other languages as well, uh, which, you know, that got cut as the budget became an issue. Uh, You got six former members of Congress. Originally, we're going to have five. So I got to tell the story about adding Roscoe Bartlett and all that. But but he could have, would have, should have, put together a committee early on when the funding came through of people to vet those witnesses and not just pick them, handpick them himself. And he only had one woman, uh, Linda Moulton Howe. And so, you know, there were accusations of sexism associated with that. Although we had Darlene Hooley and Carolyn Kirkpatrick and Lynn Woolsey as the three female members of the committee, Uh, only one female witness. And other than Denise um, Marcel, jesse marcel jr's daughter was was there i wouldn't call her a witness to anything other than the her experience of the credibility of her grandfather her father and um that was the fundamental flaw then that that kind of crippled this grand design that in november december january even going into sundance looked like wow this could change the world. You have former members of Congress, people like Senator Gravel and others. You're going to have uh, the best witnesses from, on the, from the planet. You're going to have this stuff vetted and reviewed by the committee in advance. And then you're going to stage this thing in the main ballroom. This is going to be terrific. And you know, it was something less than that ideal. The budget became an issue. The, the drop in the value of the silver tightened things up. The acrimony among the major players by the time we get to the citizens' hearing, really, Steve Bassett and, and Reuben Langdon are barely speaking to each other, which made the event a little
4: difficult to manage. Right, Chris? <laughs> you were around for some of that, I believe. It was a little tense at at times. Although I, I just I, I had so much on my plate already. I just didn't want to get embroiled in something that I really had no. <laughs> there was nothing I could do to to help smooth things out. It 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 really degraded uh, by that point. Yeah,
10: and Steve, uh, by the way, as far as I know, Steve Bassett has not yet watched, listened to, or read... The testimony from the citizen on disclosure. He was out in the hallway for the whole thing, um, having breakdowns with volunteers and others. There was a security uh, issue. The Boston uh, Marathon bombing had just occurred a couple of weeks earlier. And, you know, were we at risk uh, there? They didn't have metal detectors up at the National Press Club yet. I think they do now for those kind of public events. It was something. And, I, you know, I wound up uh, with a roommate for that week who was Danny Sheehan, So here I'd be, you know, over at the press club by 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. We'd get ready, start the hearings. I'd run from 9 to 5. We'd take a dinner break. We'd go back for the optional evening sessions that went on for three hours. I was the MC for part of that. Uh, I remember introducing Richard Dolan and telling people we'd be going till dawn, uh, which got a laugh. Uh, you know, it's midnight. I go back to the room. I know, I'm talking to Danny Sheehan about epistemology and and uh, you know re- religious uh, history and theology. And and uh, uh, Danny was fascinating. Can you imagine spending five days with Danny Sheehan in a hotel
3: room in
10: the middle of the city? Yeah,
4: really. Room? I'm jealous.
10: <laughs> it was it was awesome. But he's
3: really uh, an amazing, it, it dude. A, Yes, Joseph. Could I nip in here a second? If my memory serves me, I I seem to remember that after the hearing, and obviously we we covered it in the the podcast, especially with Chris's involvement, and I seem to remember seeing um, Stephen Bassett being interviewed about you know how it had gone and stuff, and then after a few weeks, you know, certain kind of interviewers viewers were starting to ask him um, kind of awkward questions about. Should you not maybe have vetted the, you know, the testimony and the participants, but kind of a bit better beforehand? Because the the like the mainstream media that were covering it would just immediately seize on the the, the wildest and weirdest of you know the woo woo crowd. And Stephen Bassett, I don't know, and I've always said in the Paracast forums that I completely respect his. Passion, his drive—I uh, don't think he's a dishonest guy, but he com- singularly failed to grasp that, you know, his his raison d'être, his reason for being, that he is spoiling it by not, you know, uh, vetting who he has coming on giving testimony. But it's—it's it's like he resolutely refuses to even see that could possibly be an issue, and he never once accepted that, you know, that it could be a problem. It would ever be a problem. You'd say, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And I just couldn't understand this. And it it actually made me kind of 50% jokingly several times in the the Paracast forums kind of uh, posit that he might be a planted disinfo agent because I I failed to see how someone with his intelligence could go to all that effort to you know for for to have this hearings obviously with a, a view to hopefully getting disclosure as he would couch it and yet not be able to see that just the including of several guests and their testimony is enough to just throw a spanner in the works because that's all the mainstream media will pick up on and for him to fail to see the, the gravity of that non-vetting, yes. I sort of think, how can he not know that inexcusable. it really the whole thing? It's inexcusable, yeah. Well, Absolutely, and I've had
4: conversations with him too.
3: I said, don't you realize
4: that you set up this huge ball of gravitas, this huge momentum and, and, and inertia of gravitas to have it totally trashed by your last speaker who is summing up the entire event by reading the fictitious dialogue from a known hoaxer uh, on his conversations with a, a fantasy delusional E.T. I, I was so upset when Paul Hellyer started reading out of Jim Sparks' book. I, I, if I hadn't been working there, I would have really uh, acted out um, by some, some manner or another.
2: <laughs> well, uh, let's do our break here, guys. We'll get into more of this, and this is an argument I've had with Stephen Greer on the Paracast about vetting these people he brings on. More to come with Joe and Chris and Gene and Gogs. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene.
21: Hi, this is Ron Paul, former congressman and Republican presidential candidate. I love these summer months because this is when I get to enjoy the fresh fruits and vegetables that are being harvested on small farms and in our backyards. We all look forward to garden tomatoes and corn on the cob. Don't you wish there was a better way to preserve their true tastes and flavors? I'm here to tell you that there is a better way. It's by using the amazing home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. I have a Harvest Right freeze dryer and use it to preserve the foods I love. Strawberries, apples, and even lasagna and ice cream can stay fresh for 25 years. And the best part of my freeze drying is my family and I have a supply of long-lasting food on hand. So no matter what may come, we feel better prepared. We love our freeze dryer. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-923-9591. That's harvestright.com or 800-923-9591.
12: Ralph, remember when you said you were going to start paying more attention to your health and now you're eating potato chips? Just a few. A few, okay, but you should be eating Superberries Aronia Berries.
11: Aronia what?
12: Aronia Berries from SuperBerries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Go to SuperBerries.com radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. Wow,
24: look at all the benefits of these berries.
7: I
12: know, Ralph, I know.
7: Choose health, eat purple, SuperBerries.com.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
2: Neighbors, just want to remind you that we have After the Paracast available exclusively to those of you who subscribe to the Paracast Plus we're going to hear more from Joe Bookman. We're going to hear from Gogs and Mackay, and Joe's going to be uncensored. plus.theparacast.com plus.theparacast.com. So Joe, we had Stephen Bassett on the Powercast early on, the original generation of the Powercast and everything, a couple of times, and we always ragged on him for failing to vet his guests. He didn't seem to care. It's just get the word out. I don't care how. And it's not as bad, of course, as what MUFON's doing this year where they're having a symposium about the secret space program. And if you want to talk about a wacky bunch, he found them. But I don't know how that advances the cause of scientific UFO research. I understand Bassett. He has blinders on about this. He's singularly dedicated to... Producing what he hopes is disclosure, although we all wonder exactly what the government has to disclose. But he doesn't listen when you say you can't have people like this. You're trying to make a public impression and you have to watch yourself.
10: I'll start by saying I agree, but let me quickly add, in my view, you're being a little overly harsh on Mr. Bassett. And by the way, going into the break, you said you'd had Stephen Greer on. I think you misspoke. On. Yeah.
2: By the way, we did have Greer on a couple of times, and one time he was about ready to really yell at us because we dared to question him.
10: Yes, I and mean, the guy's a messianic figure. Um, Steve is not. Steve Steve has a certain humility. Let me be the devil's advocate a bit, I, but, but remember, I started by saying I agree. <laughs> um, I don't think Steve sees himself as the gatekeeper for vetting who's credible and who's not credible in this field. And in a normal academic Community It's the community of scholars that hold each other to account for any dishonesty that's brought into that field, and ufology is so sorely lacking in that that it's unfair to say to to Abbasid or others, you need to be the one to do this. No, it's up to all of us. We should all be calling each other out, and I'm doing some of that. And it's not without risk. You get threatened with legal action. Uh, you know, Greer certainly has. Uh, the good Dr. Greer certainly has uh, some impressive financial resources, based on what I'm reading of, of how much money his documentaries make. I don't have those kind of resources. I don't want to get into, uh, you know, any kind of uh, costly uh, attorney fees for for defending what I might uh, say that that could be characterized as slander, uh, unless you prove it. But in a normal academic field with peer-reviewed journals, you're not at risk in that way. Uh, in the in the way that you are currently in in quote ufology. And- And I I went back, I think as early as 2013, I was doing research on what witnesses we might get and and how to put the hearing. I listened to the Paracast where Steve got very angry with you for challenging him about vetting. And he said, it's not my job. It's not my job. I'm going to take this body of knowledge, this community uh, that's supposed to be vetting itself – uh, and throw that at the political figures that are out there, I can't be the one to decide who's credible and who's not. It's an unfair role to put me in. I'm not without sympathy to, to that. That said, the citizens' hearing was compromised by not having better vetting of the, of the witnesses. And again, that shouldn't have been up to Steve. In an ideal world, it would have been a committee that he might put together of credible people to review the proposed testimony these folks would bring forward before they were then approved to be a witness, which, by the way, would also mean that, that Tom Clearwater could have get to, could have been told, great donation, it's going to take us a year or even 18 months to do all that. Instead, they tried to rush it and, and have the hearings happen in May. So they only spent a couple of three months on that. It should have probably been a, a longer amount of time. I think Steve would agree with that now, that he wishes he had taken more time.
20: Joseph,
3: yeah. I think you brought uh, brought up an interesting point there, and that – I don't think Steve Bassett's a bad guy and I think he must have, you know, just given so much hours and effort to that. And I commend him, him for all of that and his other ventures. But it's quite funny uh, kind of to hear him say that, you know, it's not up to him to uh, vet the testimony because it's up to the UFO field kind of thing. And that that, that is a fair point. Except that he singularly failed to even delegate that role to anyone else because he kind of almost kept that for himself. Yeah. So so that that was the only kind of part that, that in his mind, right? that doesn't really square. But yeah, I get what you're saying. On that, we're in full agreement.
10: Uh, and again, I said earlier, he did, you know, in my experience, I've told him this directly too, he, he doesn't delegate, he doesn't build a team. There is no group in the research group. If, if there was any group, I'd be as close to that to anyone. And when I've asked Steve to publicize to his lists other presentations I've made, for example, I believe I'm the only guy in the UFO field, if I'm in that field, huh, who's been accepted at SETI. You know, I gave an hour-long presentation at a SETI conference in Mountain View, California uh, in 2014. Uh, Sostock was in the audience. Seth and I had dinner together that night. He's not a fan of Steve Bassett either. Steve actually threatened him <laughs> with punching him in the face because in Steve's worldview, he's convinced that Dr. Shostock is part of the cover-up. I'm not. Steve finds that a flaw in my character, I suppose. I think um, SETI and others are just in these silos of scientific research. They're not willing to look and what hard evidence there is out there, in part because there's so much crap surrounding it, some of which I think is government intentional disinformation, and some of it's these flim-flam artists who are in it to make a buck by saying outrageous stuff. And the MUFON conference in Vegas in two weeks is certainly… <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, anyhow, they, excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, yes, it's okay. Were you sneezing again? That <clears throat> I, yeah. I think that you. Yeah, right. So let me jump ahead to that. I'm in Las Vegas that week at another conference, Freedom Fest, 2,000 people, mostly Tea Party Republicans, Steve Forbes-like people. It's organized by a guy named Mark Scowden. It's their 10th year. And I've been to several Freedom Fests. It attracts a lot of libertarians as well. So they announced last year that their theme for this year is exploring new frontiers, and their keynote speaker is William Shatner. And so last fall, on a lark, I sent him a speaker proposal for a session at Freedom Fest to be titled "Is ET Libertarian?" Question uh, mark. The non-aggression principle, self-ownership, high technology, and extraterrestrials colon. If they're here, they're libertarians! Exclamation point. Because as an academic, I wanted to have an exclamation point, a question mark, and a colon all in one title, right? (laughs) So I fire this off thinking these guys are going to tell me to pound sand, and they go, this sounds great. Can you put together a panel? We use an academic model, no honorariums, no travel fees, no expenses at all, but can you get other people to come? So I'm like, okay, great. And Dr. John Alexander lives in Las Vegas and immediately agreed to do it. So yeah, John George and Knapp I, is
4: there. You get George, George doing it.
10: No, George turned me down. John and I both asked. I reached out to Bob Bigelow to be on that panel as well. I mean, I'm swinging for the fences. But that is now scheduled for Friday, July 20th. And then they put me on a second panel on Saturday morning on digital privacy because I have a PhD in telecom and I'm a libertarian. I guess they think I know something about that. Now, I'll, I'll pretend I do by the time I get to Saturday.
2: Joe Bookman, Gogs Mackay, Chris O'Brien, Gene Steinberg. You're in
10: The Pericast.
12: You are listening to GCN.
13: If food became
25: scarce, would you be able to feed yourself? and your family. Have you found some emergency food supplies can cost upwards of $300 for a month's supply and worst of all, they're packed with chemicals and other unpronounceable ingredients. At NorthwestFork.com, our mission is to provide you with food that's not only healthy and natural, but also affordable. At NorthwestFork.com for only $127, you can order meals that are naturally high in fiber, carbs and protein, packaged in mylar bags with oxygen absorbers for superior shelf life. For a limited time only, your order ships free But that's not all. Enter promo code PREP10 to receive 10% off your entire order. Call 800-700-2184 today. NorthwestFork.com keeps prices low by buying directly from suppliers in the Pacific Northwest, then passing the savings to you. Go to NorthwestFork.com or call 800-700-2184 for the most cost-effective and healthy food storage solution. That's NorthwestFork.com at 800-700-2184.
5: Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know, the credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417.
22: This is a warning to all household pests, to all cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, and rats. If you've made yourself at home in someone else's home, you'd better hope the owners never hear about Terminix because Terminix has the know-how in the mean to do whatever it takes to remove you from that home. Terminex has 90 years of experience eliminating home invaders and they make it easy for homeowners to be protected by offering a free pest estimate by calling 1-800-686-1063. Cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, rats, and other pests. This is your last chance. With one call, Terminex will remove you from the home you've invaded. If you think you can simply come back later, think again. Terminex will never stop working to keep you out with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Pests. Wherever you are, I will find you. Pests. You've been warned. Homeowners are calling Terminix right now for a free pest estimate. 1-800-686-1063. 1-800-686-1063.
25: 30-day money-back guarantee at participating locations. Limitations apply. See plan for details.
2: Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. He's trying to sound deep, dark, mysterious. Yes. Yeah, my radio voice. Right. Now, I want to ask you something because we have two segments left of the show and we've had some fascinating tales of your travels through the years to the highways and byways and the realms of UFO research and disclosure. Let's talk about what you believe, not what Stephen Bassett says, not what Dr. Greer says, not what Paula Harris says, not what Linda Moulton Howe says, but what you have to say Do you think there's anything that the government knows that needs to be disclosed?
10: Those are really two questions, aren't they?
2: Well, we can make Um, it 10 if you want. Go ahead.
10: Boy, I I come back to the answer I gave earlier. I don't know, and I'm fascinated by this. Uh, It's a curiosity to me that every human being uh, isn't engaged in uh, in this conversation. If there's anything I bring to the field in terms of what I believe, it is that... If I were an alien, I'll I'll put it this way, and it's kind of a Stan Friedman take on it, too. Uh, If I were an alien, would I really want to drop by planet Earth right now? And the answer is clearly no. I mean, as a human being, I don't want to go to to Damascus right now either. And I, I think planet Earth, in the broader context of whatever evolved life exists in the cosmos, looks a lot like Damascus. Primary human activity, killing each other. Primary economic activity, coming up with more disgusting, vile, evil ways of mass killing each other. It makes me kind of sad to imagine a loving creator of the universe looking at planet Earth, and and how would would he or she feel? Horrified. I'd like to see a planet move toward radical voluntarism. Watch uh, uh, Foster Gamble's uh, documentary Thrive, uh, and parts of Thrive I, I find incredible and, and, and unusual, but when Foster articulates a vision for the planet moving toward voluntary human relationships and not relationships based on force, I am an unreserved fan uh, of that uh, part of Foster's work. And so, uh, you know, I, I run as a libertarian. I'm running right now for the United States Congress for the seat that was vacated by Jason Chafus last week when he resigned. By the way, I think he ought to be billed for the cost of holding this special election after running last year and then resigning uh, two months into his term. But anyway, I'm running as a libertarian because I, I really believe this. We need to start moving toward – uh, nonviolent relationships. The non-initiation of aggression principle, the NAP, uh, is core to that. It comes out of a field of philosophy called natural law. Two key elements, you don't get to initiate force and you own your own physical body. The meat bucket you're having this human experience in either belongs to you 100% or you're part slave. And right now we're part slave. We're told uh, what we can or cannot do with our physical body in ways that are, in my view, evil. So as we move toward A human culture on Earth that's based on non-initiation of aggression and self-ownership. I feel like we become a planet at peace, and E.T., if he's out there, interdimensional, souped-up Corvette that flew him here, whatever, will feel more likely to drop by. At least I would, as I imagine that. Um, the other thing that, that causes me to, to give my life over to this is, is I do feel like if people have given contractual agreements that are extra constitutional uh, around this issue, uh, that that's a human birthright issue. We, we deserve to know if we're alone in the cosmos or not. And that if we knew that, if we have this Copernican revolution times 10,000 know, – pre-Copernicus, we thought we were the center of the universe – Post-Copernicus, we know we're a ball of dirt that's orbiting a star, and it's kind of average. Now with Kepler, thanks to Bill Barucci who drove the design of the Kepler Space Telescope, we know about exoplanets. The universe is teeming with planets. It's teeming with moons around planets. It's teeming with places where life could occur. It's probably, almost certainly, teeming with life. And if we knew we weren't alone, I think uh, a lot of the violence on Earth would disappear overnight. We'd stop fighting over our geography. We'd see ourselves as Earthlings uh, rather than as uh, Israelis or Jews or Catholics or Protestants. We'd we'd begin to unify, and that would be a good thing. And that's that's why, you know, I, I put my personal resources, time, and money into into running for office to articulate that. That's what I believe. So then, do I believe the government has? those things that i don't know on this issue yes i do i I find uh gordon cooper's book a leap of faith uh where he describes the foo fighters he saw as a pilot in world war ii and he describes the lenticular based uh ship with put down three landing legs at edwards when he was there uh the film he saw of that i find that credible i find edgar mitchell credible i find travis walton credible boy, if that guy's making up that story and got five other guys to be able to pass lie detector tests about the same I thing. agree. Wow. That's so incredible that I find his very incredible story the more credible uh, likelihood.
2: One um, thing, though, about Travis Walton before we go on, that he's telling the truth doesn't tell us what really happened. It's what no, he thinks it, happened.
10: Yes, and and he was clearly out of it for most of the time he was gone. I, um, I was the MC for the Sonoma... Um, film festival ufo uh, day a couple years ago and they asked me to create that and i said let's get uh, jennifer stein's documentary travis and fire in the sky and show them back to back with travis in the room which was an amazing experience out of all the things i've done in film at sundance and elsewhere travis walton watching fire in the sky in a theater setting for the first time in 20 years and then watching the documentary Jennifer had done, and then having Travis on a panel where I'm asking him questions about those two films, I wish it had been recorded. It was, I'm getting chills just talking about it. One of the things Tra- I said, Travis, so what did Hollywood get right, more accurate, better? than this documentary, because a lot of what Hollywood did was distort his story. And he said, Joe, even though what they show happening in the ship is nothing like what happened, the emotional experience of just watching that yesterday took me back in a more real way to how terrified I was than what's in the documentary, which Ron James has been doing the special effects for that, that are more accurate. But he said, even though it wasn't an accurate depiction emotionally, it was a more real experience than the documentary for me. And and clearly, this is a man who was terrified by whatever occurred. Uh, yeah, so a human being's ability to report with 100% precision what occurred while being terrified is not entirely reliable. That said, what a credible witness he is to something going on. And so, yeah, I believe the government knows more about that than I do. And I, and I think it is a birthright issue where we all ought to know. What I wonder is if... Those in charge of that secret, if there is really such a secret, I don't know that for sure, but I surely suspect it, if those in charge of that don't realize that it would do more harm than good to let all that out. And I suspect if they were to let it all out, whatever they do know, it's going to raise 10,000 times more questions than we have right now. I Do not do. I think they have all the answers? Oh, no. No, not at all. So maybe they don't release it because it's only going to do more harm than good. I'd like to believe that rather than that they're all somehow nefarious and keeping it a secret. Uh, but I don't know.
2: What if they just don't know? What if they have a mystery on their hands, they have no idea what's causing it, and there might be what? the fear on the part of the authorities, look, if we admit that we have a phenomenon that we can't explain, doesn't adhere to any conventional science that we know about, how can we admit that?
10: Yeah. So I, I, I agree. But you, the question was, do they know things that I don't know? And then should they release them? So it's kind of two questions. Yes, I think they, they do. There's gun camera footage of military uh, pilot witnesses that has probably been sequestered somewhere. There's whatever footage Gordon Cooper reported that he saw on film of whatever occurred at Edwards Air Force Base the day of that missile launch that he then says disappeared, didn't wind up in Project Blue Book or anywhere. See, so yeah, I'm sure there's... I'm relatively sure, almost positive, there's stuff like that. There's reasons these friends of mine hit a stone wall when I ask this question. Um, They've they've made agreements that they honor not to talk about this stuff, apparently. Uh, I'd like to see those agreements uh, removed and and have open hearings on the issue. But my concern is, would that do more harm than good? I don't know.
2: Well, if they admit they don't know, that could be a problem. If they admit it's spaceships, that could be a problem. So. It depends on what they have to admit, what kind of political problem they have. We have something else to present. One more segment with Joe Bookman. And you see, we really didn't get too political, did we? With Gene, Chris, Goggs, and Joe. You're in.
3: All participants vetted. Paracast. (laughs) Paracast.
12: for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit gcnlive.com today.
26: You know you're being lied to about space. The MuFON 2017 symposium gives you the tools to discern. Our speaker lineup and the things they share will blow you away. Is there a secret space program? Find out from aerospace insiders like Bill Tompkins and Robert Wood. What did Gary McKinnon find on NASA computers? Is warp drive for real? James Woodward knows. Do we have our own fleet of spaceships? Corey Goode says yes. He's live and in person. It all happens Friday through Sunday, July 21st through the 23rd at the JW Marriott in Las Vegas, Nevada. Seats are still available, but only a few. If you can't attend, buy the live stream. It includes a year of MUFON television. This is MUFON's most intense symposium ever. Join us there or on the stream. But don't miss it. What is the secret space program? Let's investigate. Go to MUFONSYMPOSIUM.COM That's M-U-F-O-N SYMPOSIUM.COM M-U-F-O-N SYMPOSIUM.COM
11: Water is the single most important thing your body needs. So you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, Get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653, 877-886-3653, GoBerkey.com.
16: If there's a toxic chemical biological gas smoke emergency while traveling at home or on your job, are you protected? Are you prepared? There are over 400,000 fires in the USA every year. Up to 85% of all deaths in a fire are due to smoke inhalation. Three minutes without air, and we as humans will die. Be prepared and escape safely with our Safe Escape smoke hoods, giving you up to 60 minutes of breathable air protection. Order yours online at ase-safety.com. That's ase-safety.com. And get up to 40% off, plus free shipping.
13: Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place. And the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. Arc EMP hardened solar generator energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent pending technology.
18: Hi, it's Grant Cameron from presidentialufo.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
21: All right. I
2: don't even know what to say about that. I think Goggs is somewhere else. He's in the TARDIS right now. Joe, okay, so I get the impression here you're an E.T. kind of guy. Is that correct?
10: Well, hmm. I mean, that and more, that certainly doesn't, doesn't cover all of what I imagine is going on. I went to Mountain View the night that uh, Bill Barucki received the Drake Award from Frank Drake. It's a highlight of my whole life. Frank Drake, the author of the Drake Equation, said he gives out an annual Frank Drake Award. They're giving it to Bill Barucki, the guy who kept proposing the Kepler mission until finally NASA surrendered and launched the thing. And that's the thing that has given us all of the data that tells us there are exoplanets and planetary formation is a, a common occurrence in the cosmos. Kepler, by the way, was staring at a, a point of the night sky about the size of the palm of your hand held at arm's length away from your eyes. That's all the cosmos we've looked at. We haven't looked at everywhere else. In the dome of the night sky, one spot the size of the palm of your hand. And it's gathered the data about the diminution of the luminosity of stars with planetary transits, and it stopped working. Two of its gyroscopes went out a couple of years ago. So when you hear about these new exoplanet discoveries, it's the analysis of all this collected data from years ago. Um, we're not getting a lot of new data. There's a Kepler-2 mission that sort of does that, but without getting into the weeds. Being at that SETI event at a private home uh, outside of Mountain View to acknowledge this gentleman for the lifelong research he did, the commitment to getting Kepler launched, to give humanity now, and at this moment in time, the data that shows that there are planets around other stars, Uh, and they're in habitable zones. There could be life that evolved out there. Well, my goodness. We used to say that there are more stars in the observable universe than grains of sand on all the beaches of the Earth, and now there's about 10 times that much stuff in terms of the number of planets and moons with habitable zones. They don't all have to be in the Goldilocks zone. They just have to have a belt of habitability on them that could be moons as well as planets. Do we really think that we're the only biological life that grew up and then that we're the most technologically advanced, wise bio-life in the cosmos? No. That just seems absurd in the face of that scientific reality having nothing to do with the UFO issue. Then there are these credible, relatively credible, at least certainly intriguing body of evidence uh, of people like Travis Walton or Ed Mitchell or, or Gordon Cooper or others that I think are deserving of more scientific inquiry and then associated that with is all this crazy the flimflam artists the nutcases the, the people who are as Steve Bassett says in immediate need of intense psychiatric intervention By the way, if if you want to know, Steve does have a horizon of vetting because we've talked about this MUFON conference, and he can't believe who MUFON is having there either. It's like, what are they they doing? So I wouldn't say Steve accepts everything.
4: Oh, Oh, I can't wait to have that conversation with him
10: publicly he doesn't come out and say this one's credible and that one's not he's not he doesn't want to be in that business and i, I think for not completely ununderstandable uh, reasons anyhow so i'm going to i'm going to vegas i'm going to be at freedom fest i'm doing these two presentations uh, i find dr john alexander to be a credible guy some people think he's a men in black dr greer accuses him of being a mass murderer who was president at the kennedy assassination at the age of 15 or something and whoa 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 whoa
2: whoa stop
10: Full stop, full
2: stop, full stop. What does Greer say about Alexander?
10: Go Google Google the Dead Man Switch that came out. Some of his inner circle published his Dead Man Switch when Sirius came out. In the Dead Man Switch document, he mentions John Alexander being present at the Kennedy assassination. So there's that crazy association. I'm going to be in Vegas. I'm going to do the thing with John at Freedom Fest and move on to their credit. uh, Chase uh, Klosky. Uh, just granted me a, a full VIP uh, media credential to go over to MUFON. So I'm gonna I'm gonna drop in as I can. Uh, I'd like to talk to Richard Dolan over there, and maybe that's it.
2: <laughs> well, you know something here. Just want to get a clarity here. Ron James, the documentary producer, sent us an ad he wanted us to run for the MUFON symposium. Now I consider it a wacky place. I consider the speakers to be beyond wacky. I consider the subject matter to be interesting, but not necessarily UFO related, but to be fair and balanced, we are running that ad. So if you've heard the ad running on this show during our commercial break, ain't my fault. Just scream it, Ron.
10: Let me take the devil's advocate for MUFON. That's what they should do. Invite the people in with the most salient, crazy stories that are getting public attention, and then put them through the refiner's fire of some sort of peer review, which Dolan says he's going there to do. I heard Dolan talking about some of the other presenters at MUFON, and the criticism MUFON's getting about that. But you want to bring these people out of the shadows, put them in the light of day at an academic conference and then challenge them with that peer review. I'm not clear that's what MUFON's doing.
2: And they're going to present them <laughs> one after another, and that's it. And it's going to be about the secret space program. I don't see there any purpose in doing that except to fill seats. And I guess they hope they'll fill seats. But I agree with you. If you want to bring on people like that and subject them to serious questioning of their beliefs and insist on some kind of evidence to prove what they say... I have no problem with that.
10: I'd be a fan of it. I think that's what they ought to be doing. And the conference hasn't happened yet. I have a hope that maybe that's what they'll do. But I, like Steve, sometime, am somewhat overly optimistic.
2: Well, if it happens, fine. Now, we've invited Jan Harzan, the executive director of MUFON, to come on the Paracast. He appeared twice on Kevin Randall's show. And I asked him, well, if you can come on that show, would you make time for us? And he said, well, he had committed to that earlier. Supposedly after the symposium, he'll come on, he'll answer questions, and we'll find out. But it's not so much having a symposium with wacky people about an idea that may be peripherally related to UFOs, but maybe not, and probably not. It's not about that. It's about other issues with MUFON and the organizational structure and whether just being able to donate $5,000 a year gives you special access even if you post racist comments on Facebook. It's things like that that concern everyone.
10: Well, I, I think that will be a much higher rated show than this one. So get Jan on and, and challenge him in that way. That's what we ought to be doing as a community. We ought to challenge each other. And if you challenge someone, as I did uh, Ms. Harris a few years ago, it's outrageous to then be accused of being part of the government's disinformation campaign. You don't do that when you're asking legitimate questions. Of course, so let me give a pitch for my campaign. I'm running in Utah for the United States Congress. I'm calling for those open hearings and whistleblower protection. And my website, should you care to check it out, is www.gotol.vote. Yes, I'm telling the people of Utah to go to L. Go to L is life, love, liberty, legalization, and let us alone, the core of the libertarian natural law, purest expression of politics. Go to L.vote. Uh, check it out and uh, drop me an email. You'll find my contact information there. I'd love to hear from Paracast listeners. Uh, uh, what I love about this too is it goes up on the internet now. It'll be there for my great 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 grandchildren to listen to. Hi guys, if you're out there a hundred years from now listening, it's a grandpa.
2: <laughs> It'll even be on YouTube without the photos of us because we have this great artwork template that Red Pill Junkie created for us. So by the way. Joe's going to also be on After the Paracast this week with Gogs Mackay. And because After the Paracast is uncensored, let's leave it there. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast. Look for two official Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. Look for the official Paracast channel on YouTube. And it all depends on views now. We don't get paid by YouTube until we get enough views They've got this new thing now where you got to get a lot of views, thousands and thousands, before you get paid for it. They're hoarding the money or something. I don't know. Anyway, we also have After the PowerCast, as I said, which is part of the PowerCast Plus. To learn more, go to plus, P-L-U-S dot the dot com. That's plus dot the dot com. We offer a commercial-free version of this show. We offer After the PowerCast. we got some videos there. Our good friend, Paul Kimball, who's also done some politics in recent months, he's going to have more content for us to add to the PowerCast Plus. Prices start at just $1.49 a week. Our price cheap, and we have subscribers who want to save money or just try us out for $1.49 a week. If you subscribe to Five Years or Lifetime, we've got some free books for you. So check it out. Plus. The Paracast dot com plus dot dot com. Joe Bookman, thank you so much for making this such an enjoyable episode of the Paracast.
10: I loved it. Thank you, Gene.
1: The PowerCast